That was Voices in My Head by Falling in Reverse. I know how much you guys love hearing my voice before hearing my voice again, so I thought I'd give you a chance to hear my voice one more time. If you haven't figured it out, this episode is about mental health, and I think the content that Swagger and I produced on this episode was really, really good. However, the audio quality, for some reason, didn't turn out the greatest. We both want to apologize for that and just ask that you kind of hang on and listen to what we have to say, and our next mental health episode will be even better. So thanks for listening, everybody, and hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Wait a second. Children of all ages. Isn't this show rated explicit? Yeah, that doesn't sound right. We're going to be using a lot of adult no-no words. Ladies and gents, we're proud to present to you the Spinning Our Gears podcast. As a reminder, the issues, views, and opinions discussed in this podcast are those of the co-hosts and their guests and do not reflect those of any department, agency, city, municipality, state, or country. All stories, characters, and individuals discussed on the podcast should be considered fictional for entertainment value, especially if there's any Blue Falcons listening in. Listener discretion is advised. If you don't like it, hit the big X and find something else. Otherwise, without further ado, here are your hosts, Turk and Swagger. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Spinning Our Gears. Today's Friday, May 20th. I'm Turk. With our powers combined, he's Captain Planet. And together, we're just a couple of guys spinning our gears. Swagger, how's it going? It's going good, man. How you doing? Doing real good. Doing really, really good. What's uh, what's new on the block? What's new on the block? Yeah. Man, our the gears are just spinning at this point. Kind of same stuff, different day. It is. It always is. Uh, you always have something new just kind of pops up and goes in your head and it just makes those gears spin. You're just like, what the fuck is going on in this world? But yeah, yeah. I, w- I will say the, what one new thing is we we've gotten some praise again. Oh yeah. Had a fan reach out to us and from a smaller agency, you know him, I know him, I'm not going to name drop at this point, but told me that loves the podcast made his new rookie listened to the podcast, including the rookies episode and has gotten his chief of police hooked on the podcast. Yes. That's so, good. Making headway, baby. God, I wish I knew who that guy was. <laughs> you, you do know who that guy I, is. I do. That's <laughs> I'm going to try to have to, I'm going to have to sit here and scramble because I have no freaking, <laughs> Oh man. Don't mind the, uh, the couple vibrations of the uh, cell phone uh, apparently <laughs> I have to pay a medical bill uh, but, uh, yeah you know that's how that goes <laughs> and back to the topic uh that's crazy i'll have to figure out who the hell that is because uh I'm, I'm happy that uh a chief of police is listening to this podcast that's yeah a, that's a huge step in the right direction because i think it's a it's a you know it's a movement that's worth changing um for the better in law enforcement and public safety so i'm excited that's good Oh, yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction for sure. Um, we also have to give a little shout out. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, well, no. Go ahead. No, no. We had someone reach out finally with a picture of our koozies at Roll Call. Yes, I our, did. I did see that. 
Yeah, our boy Migs provided provided a picture for us sitting in roll call with the koozie. So he elected to have a shout out on the show and not a free koozie, but that's where we're at. Yeah, that is freaking awesome. Um, we'll continue to do that. I actually thought about that, doing that in our roll call uh, on the podcast because, you know, we have that prior to yeah. uh, the shift of, uh, of talking. But I forgot the fucking koozie. <laughs> I got the <laughs> I got the beer. I'm drinking Yingling tonight. If you haven't had that, you should get it. Um, yeah, to all of our listeners out there, but it's amazing. You can only get it on the East Coast. Sponsor us in the near future. It's like America's <laughs> oldest beer, and it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I was gonna do it, and I was gonna send a picture, and then you brought that up, and I was like, son of a bitch, I fucking forgot about. So, well, we we really don't have briefing in my new place. No? Like it's it's like a real quick hey how you doing hey motherfucker hey not wait a minute, my bad anyway we <laughs> hey how you doing switch out cars this is what happened last night and we're on our way yeah did your balls drop yet or no oh okay that's uh, <laughs> the shit talking you guys get pretty much let me tell you the county that I'm currently in you know like that I that I am now in uh, working uh, it is like the wild west and pretty much everybody talks shit to each other it's pretty funny yeah. I mean, I'm just like, wow, there's some hostility in here. Like, I'm talking, like, law enforcement on law enforcement shit talking, and then, like, law enforcement and community people. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, what? You could say that to people? <laughs> Get away with it? You shouldn't. Right. Oh, man. So, what else you got? Well, we do have another little news story, if, you, if you're willing to go over that real quick. Yeah. This one kind of hits home. Because it's from Iowa. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. This is a cross between Iowa and Florida, so I thought that was kind of funny. A Jessup, Iowa man was charged after beating a seagull with a shovel on a Florida beach. (laughs) Not kidding. Leave that to a person from Iowa to do. (laughs) It doesn't go into details about why. Just says that he was arrested for... I thought I, I thought it had like multiple seagulls that he was beating. Was all right. Was he high on meth? Probably. Okay. I mean, I, I think I, that's safe to say. Yeah, I just have a couple questions on that, and that's the first one. And the second one, he's beating a seagull. Was he on the beach? Well, it says he was. Yeah. And it says on a Florida beach. Yeah. The third question now. Was he fully clothed or was he so high on meth and it's hot in Florida that he's just running naked everywhere? It does not say, I don't think. Jeez. Well, wait, how was he? An investigation. Authorities identified him. It just says they identified him. They didn't say how. So I don't know if they came in contact with him or if he was wearing an I'm from Jessup, Iowa shirt. I don't know. It's but it, it, it does say it was motivated because the man had a fight with Steven Siegel. Ah. <laughs> no, that's not true. We didn't. That's a, that's a clever one. Uh, you 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 should probably be on stand up yeah, to get shit thrown at me. Yeah. <laughs> you get shoes thrown at you like George. Get Bush. off the stage. <laughs> Chucking shit up there. <laughs> duck twice. Shit. <laughs> no, uh, the, the only other thing I had before jumping it. Do you even want to cover this whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard? craziness oh my god did you see her do a lot napkin yeah what you could tell yeah. exactly what she did right i mean it's per per you know per what you would uh 
what you know cocaine does mm-hmm. you can s- see it hit into her throat and, yeah. and then like that that the rush you know yeah and i'm like huh so that she just did a line of coke on stand like i don't Dude. know if i to be like she's that fucking stupid or she like has that well i think I mean, so the public perception is that johnny's winning this right now i think he's a better actor than she is as part of it yep. but it's pretty clear that they're both they're both coked out of their fucking minds mm-hmm. and that was very clearly a toxic relationship and they should just count their blessings that they're both done and walk away yes have you seen her like some of the memes that are going around um but she's you know telling the, you know, she's on the stand testifying to he had a jar of what she thought was cocaine. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to this thing and it's him, Pirates of the Caribbean. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was rolling. That shit's hilarious. <laughs> just, just classic. That, that's that's thinking outside the box. I like that kind that of is. Uh, process. But no, man, the only real other current event that uh that i have because oh, there's the dogs get them get them fucking fucking dogs you gotta love them though man they protect your house i don't even know what they're barking at at this point you're uh, just gonna squirrel. have to talk louder i guess that's fair no big deal <laughs> uh no the only other current event that uh that i can think of off the top of my head is uh top out here in like seven days but yeah. I mean, by the time that our listeners listen to this it's probably already out yeah, and uh, I just literally watched it tonight. Okay, probably gonna do that again tomorrow, and maybe yeah. the next night, and the next yeah. night. So epic, freaking movie. Frustrated my family because that I probably watched it. Sure. So, but you know, it's an epic movie. But like when you look back at it and you look at the acting of that era, and you're yeah. like, this was award winning acting. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> I well, I don't. Was it though? Was it? I don't. I don't know if it was. What? I mean, I, I guess was. everyone everyone proclaimed Tom Cruise is like this great actor, and yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but no, yeah, no, just comparatively. Uh, yeah, I didn't look that up, and I just know I loved it as a movie. I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was a little kid, like my first. Minute, I just thought it was yeah. the coolest. I'm not smart enough to do that shit. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, legitimately, those guys are like super intelligent people. Um, <laughs> so. I, I, that's, that was what I wanted to do. And, uh, I, I did not get to obviously accomplish that, but would have been, you guys had, uh, got Memorial day coming up as well. Leases. It'll probably be that weekend. So I think you're right. Touch on it a little bit, but you know, I want to make sure that everybody knows that this is not about a barbecue. There's <laughs> actually like real behind Memorial day. Yes, sir. So make sure that those are uh, respected and honored, obviously. So but top of the barbecuing, you know, in the memory, you know, of uh, honoring the the fallen heroes, you got the, like the great freaking movies, the great like always on sure. TV. So, fun question for you, put you on the spot. Uh oh, what's your top three favorite military movies? Oh, Saving Private Ryan's got to be up there. Oh, that's Probably cool. number one. Band of Brothers ranks up there. And now I'm going to just totally blank on a third one at this point. Um, That's right. Yeah, I'm going to blank on a third one. What about you? Just go just go with two. It's, uh, obviously, Top Gun. Okay. That one, I swear, is you know my favorite. And then I got Pepper uh, and Lone Survivor. Okay. And I, I would have said Shooter, but 
that one's a little more involved than just the military, you know, right. Being set up and it's more domestic than anything. And so, but yeah, no, I have to go with Top Gun American Sniper. I mean, I named my damn dog after Chris Kyle. Right. Um, so, uh, and then Lone Survivor is just another great movie. So, okay. I don't think I've seen Lone Survivor yet. Oh, you got to watch it. Yeah. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it and uh, he plays um, Marcus Latr- mm-hmm. the Navy SEALs. <clears throat> just a shitty situation all around for those guys. I mean, yeah, they just got pinched, man. Um, so, but it's good. It's a, it's a good movie. And, um, you know, Marcus Luttrell has, but my mm-hmm. wife has actually read, you know, I'm not a big reader, not intelligent enough. <laughs> my, <laughs> my second time I've just, you know, dissed myself, but now sniper, Chris Kyle, and then Chris Kyle's wife, Taya Kyle and, and all that. Some good, some good reading there for people. So, uh, the lone survivor books, um, also something to look into, uh, but yeah, if you're looking for something to read, definitely look into those two, uh, those two storylines and, and books about that and the events and stuff like that. But um, and how their families have been impacted by the the events and things along those lines. But <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, Marcus Luttrell does I think a lot of stuff with uh, um, mental health within the military, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much you know about Chris Kyle and what occurred there with him but he was murdered yep. by a marine that he took out that had ptsd yep um kind of rolling into the the episode that we're going to talk about this week and and uh mental health so i think it's obviously a big deal in the military i think it's like 22 veterans a day it actually might be more than that now pandemic and shit like that going on um but then uh you know obviously we have seen it in, in law enforcement you know where you just have a lot of uh, a lot of mental health in the community issues, but then also, you know, people who struggle with certain things within law enforcement families. So, or, or even first responders, like we talked about before the episode. So yeah, absolutely. I think we've been waiting on this one and I'm excited to get to this one. It's going to be a heavy one. I think, Mm -hmm. um, listener discretion probably advised just in the fact we're going to be touching on some heavy, uh, topics here. I don't think we're, we're going to necessarily consider it a negative episode, no. But we're just going to cover something that needs to be covered. I think we're going to focus kind of on PTSD for this one. We might have a couple more episodes with, you know, other other things like depression and anxiety and things like that. But this is kind of the big one that seems to affect first responders. So I figure we we tee off on this one first and and uh, no clickbait. Yes. Yep. So, well, I think if we kick it off, I, just a broad general definition of this thing, this PTSD, this post-traumatic stress disorder if you look it up online, they're, they're going to say things like it's a condition that lasts over an unspecified period of time, and it has triggers for the people that are affected by it, uh, accompanied by intense emotional and physical reactions. But the, the thing that I didn't like is when you look it up, the common misnomer is that PTSD is caused by, that people seem to think that it's caused by one experience of a traumatic or terrifying event. And that's just not true. We know that we know different at this point. That's not true. Absolutely. Yeah. PTSD is a, is a huge, uh, real involved, uh, mental health illness. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't really like to call it illnesses. Um, it, it, you know, like the, I don't know if you want to say that, you know, cause when you think somebody's sick, right. Right. They, they may be sick forever. Um, you know, with PTSD, um, you don't really ever know. You know, you're, yeah. you're not really entirely certain things occur, um, in your, in your daily life that can trigger 
you know, these post-traumatic stresses um, that cause you, you know, like to have these you know, issues, whether it's lack of sleep, agitated, you know, your depression and anxiety is elevated, kind of really involved um, the issues are. So, and we'll touch on a little bit more about PTSD, it's kind of some situations or incidents that I've had experienced and stuff along the lines, but um, we'll talk about that here a little bit in a little bit, but um, what else you got? Well, it, like you said, yeah, it, 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 so it can be one, one big traumatic experience or it can be a pile of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, kind of that, that misconception between illness and disorder. I let's, let's clarify this. Neither one of us are doctors, obviously. No. I tend to think that every single person in the world has, I don't want to say symptoms, but traits of all of these disorders within them. Um, but it doesn't become a disorder until it starts affecting your everyday life. So I, when you start looking at some of the symptoms, like you said, that like lack of sleep, your appetite starts to be affected, whether you're eating too much or not eating enough. I saw a lot of things that showed very similar to anxiety, like um, you're constantly thirsty, you're having chest pain, pounding heart, uh, kind of like grinding your teeth, stuff like that. Trouble concentrating, irritability, an overwhelming feel of guilt or shame. And then a, a big a big thing with all of it is the self-medication that comes with that, over-drinking, mm-hmm. overusing of drugs. So it's it's really hard, I think, especially from my understanding, for mental health experts even to to diagnosis at times because so many of the symptoms can be correlated with other things. Right. And, and one thing I think I want to touch on there is, you know, like just so everybody knows, like the medicating with alcohol or drugs is not the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody should realize that. I know cops have an issue sometimes with drinking heavily uh, or I mean, really anybody that's first responder, military drinking heavily. And it's like, I don't know if sometimes people are self-medicating with that or if they are just doing it because it's fun and engaging. Um, but um, you know, or, or just not catching it when it starts to happen, when it starts to pile up on them, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, you gotta, you gotta know kind of when to dial it back. Cause it, it can really take a run on you. And then you start running into, you know, the depressant of it where you have the depression side of it that kind of comes all and PTSD and that, that it, it kind of has this issue where you start to spiral that, mm-hmm. you know, things just start to do what that gateway type system where you just continuously are trying to look for that high or the low and you can never get yourself out of it. Right. So just, you know, some numbers that I pulled and these are kind of ranging numbers between 2018 and 2021. So they might be a little bit off 3.6% or almost 9 million of Americans are affected by PTSD, which the 3.6 you're thinking that's a low number, but then you hear 9 million people are affected by this. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And in a second here, I'm going to, I'm going to pull that into the first responder realm to kind of show just how, lopsided it is for first responders of the of those 9 million people 37 percent of those people were classified as severe and this kind of drops into that what i was just talking about how it's hard to kind of classify or hard to kind of pick up on because when you think of ptsd and someone suffering from it you think of that soldier who's recluse and in his apartment and hiding from everyone it's not always that that's those are some of the more severe cases there are millions out there who are living with it and you just don't know it at the time. Right. Yes. And that, 
you, you, millions of people are going about their daily life, capable of holding their employment, continuing on, even though they're struggling with this PTSD and, um, you know, that they should seek help in any way that they can. However, mm-hmm. they don't because mm-hmm. of the, you know, the, uh, the unfortunate black eye that law enforcement puts on people who have PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. and do that. Cause you gotta, you gotta help your, you gotta help your officers, your first responder, cause everybody's going to have it. I, I, I don't care if you're like the chief of police and right. you went to a bad call 20 years ago, that shit may fucking haunt you 20 years yep. down the road. Yep. And it's going to hit you when you least expect it. Yeah. It's not the person. I mean, obviously the people who are like, you know, reclusing themselves inside, have a, a very severe issue mm-hmm. um, with it, but it's not those necessarily. It's the the people who are out and about, you know, living amongst everybody. And it's okay to have mental health illnesses and things like that. Uh, they're still functioning and getting the job done. That if you come forward and you try to say, "Yeah, well, I have to go get help for the black eye on you," right, right. And and the thing is, what we have to understand is that this is this mental issue doesn't affect just one type of person it hits any age any gender sex nationality anything you can be affected by it one of the numbers that i pulled was that just one traumatic event in your life gives you a 20 percent chance of developing ptsd and it's not it's not cumulative so you don't if if i have five traumatic events i'm gonna have ptsd that's not how it works out but just understanding that it has one traumatic event has that big of an impact and when we start pulling well, some of these other numbers here in a second, you kind of start to realize why it's affecting first responders so much as well as military and, and why we need to kind of get the help out there. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I'll be upfront and honest with everybody. Uh, you know, 15 years ago when I was still in the military, approximately that time, <laughs> I, you know, you mentioned PTSD and I was like, Oh, you know, that's bullshit. That's just all made up fiction. You know, it's all just fake shit. And then I started to essentially just kind of experience certain things regarding PTSD that mm-hmm. kind of fell in line there. Oh, well, maybe that's that. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, certain things start to happen that you then start to realize, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends on what it is, but um but the level that uh, the amount of people that are struggling or that have suffered from it, recover from it, then down the road, they end up having a relapse into it Yeah. of, of PTSD symptoms. They recovered and then they thought they were good and they, um, they, you know, it just happened out of nowhere. It's all based off of, from my understanding, you know, other stressors in your life, uh, mm-hmm. other situations that maybe you were put into. Um, so like in law enforcement, in the military or, or first responder, um, those situations can trigger those new situations can trigger old situations Yep, and it becomes like a domino effect of that issue. Well, so, so what I saw the uh, one website that I, that I looked at, it broke down the percentages of PTSD for citizens by uh, classification of traumatic event. <clears throat> and so I'm going to read these off real quick. The mm-hmm. first one was sex assault victims were 49%. Sorry, just lost my space there. I got to look it up again. Okay. The sex assault victims were 49% likely to have PTSD. Physical assault victims, 32%. Serious accident, either victims or people who observed them, like vehicle accidents, 16.8%. Shooting and stabbing victims or those who saw it, 15.4%. Unexpected death, family members or those who viewed it, 15.4%. 
14.3%, and then natural disaster victims or those who were affected by it, 3.8%. The thing is, there's a very common thread with that that I don't think your common citizen is going to understand. And that's that first responders deal with all of these. Yep. Your average citizen is going to see, I think, what, what's the number? Like two to three lifetime traumatic events in their entire life. Whereas a first responder is going to deal with, on average, 180 to 200 in their career. Like, mind-blowing. You know? that's, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean, you know, just, I don't even know how to put that into words. Like, it just, it just shows where we go as first responders, what happens to us, what happens to our brains, and what kind of beats you down over time. Right. That's, I mean, that's a lot of traumatic events that you're, I mean, it, it, common knowledge. I mean, it's no secret to the American public or anybody that's in law enforcement that, you know, first responders respond to some really horrific things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the military sees really horrific things, you know, in the military and foreign countries, you know, things along the lines of that. But, but the repetitiveness, these traumatic events, I mean, th- they start to develop that chain reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is, just a, it makes, it's a really bad potential situation that you, you know, that you kind of put yourself in. So, you know, these agencies out there need to be providing resources for, uh, you know, this, this calling it a problem because there, there's just so much of this within, you know, the military, uh, the military has kind of like maybe started to get a grasp on the idea of it over the past 15 years, but I mean, if 22 people, 22 veterans and just the veteran side of it are committing suicide a day, and it's probably stemming from PTSD because they just can't handle it anymore. Right. You know, started to experiment with drugs to try to, you know, self-medicate and then they just, you know, overdose or, or whatever. That's, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. And I think law enforcement has now. I can speak from law enforcement. I know first responders as well, but law enforcement itself, I think is starting to understand that. Well, time out here. If there's this issue in the military, there's probably an issue within law enforcement as well, based off of these situations that do need to get people help. And there's right. a lot of great. We've talked about these. I'll cover some more of those at the end of the episode. Yep. So that way it's fresh in everybody's mind. But uh, do you got any other statistics and stuff that, yeah, so I guess what I was going to break down, like how you talked about how that domino effect, the the best way that I've I've had this explained to me, and this was actually through another podcast, shout out to Street Cop Training. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's called like the sponge or the sponge in a cup theory. And the whole idea is if you've got the sponge in a cup, it can hold more water than just a cup, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually that cup is going to overflow, and it, it could be from a stream of water, it could be from gushing water, or it could just be because it was full and a drop hits it. And that's kind of like law enforcement or first responders with PTSD. No one knows how big their cup is. It's not always because they were involved in a shooting or they saw a child death. It could be that career of 180 to 200 on average traumatic events filling up your cup and finally spilling it over to the point where now you're one of the uh, seven to 19% of officers who qualify for the diagnosis of PTSD. Right. And I, yeah. And I don't, we don't need like from the, from the standpoint of we're giving these statistics and, you know, 
uh, people have their, you know, have their own stories and you guys, everybody out there, the listeners are having their own thoughts on, you know, PTSD. It's a, it's a touchy topic mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed, but it's not a dick measuring contest. You know, we're not trying to see, you know, go, Hey, you know, this person's responded to this many traumatic events. Right. And this right. person's responded to this many more traumatic events. Like we're not trying to like sway the pendulum here. Mm-hmm. It is legitimately one person may have had this upbringing of, you know, a, a much simpler life where they just haven't been conditioned essentially. And I'm not a psychologist, but mm-hmm. I've taken a psychology class, um, been conditioned enough to see that and experience, you know, that they haven't had a traumatic event in their life. And then they may get hit with one traumatic event and then boom, it's yeah. PTSD city. And then versus somebody who maybe has, you know, several traumatic events in their life, they were abused as a child, this and another, that maybe it takes a little longer, or maybe it's just that one event, maybe so minor, like you said, with the sponge theory that that one drop sets yeah. it off. Yeah. And it needs to be controlled somehow. I mean, it could be that one year officer who just witnessed a, a car crash. Right. It could, or it could be that homicide detective who has handled 200 cases in his career or her career before it finally breaks. You, yeah. you don't know when it's going to happen. So the idea of I'm Superman, I've got that vest on, I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof isn't always the case. Yep. And I, and I actually heard of a, a story recently from a friend of mine. Uh, from another agency that uh, rookie officer, he's a field trainer. And the first call the kid got out of the Academy was like a shots fired or suicide or something. And the dude had killed himself or there was a dead, dead person being shot. And that was it for him. He was done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and I mean, like, he should have thought in, you know, in that the thought process there is he should have thought that maybe he was going to encounter that, especially the city where he lives in or was going to work in. Mm-hmm. But like, that's that thing right there where you don't put yourself in those situations you know, if you don't, if you don't feel like you can handle them sure. and I, you know, it's, it, you should know kind of what you're getting into in a little bit within law and for, as being a first responder, but, but uh, you know, you can't never control exactly or know exactly what right um, somebody's, you know, some other person's ideology is or thought processes on certain things. Well, and I just, I think, like you said earlier, we have to break down this barrier of, of PTSD being a weakness Yep. of mental health being a weakness. As I, I kind of mentioned, I want to harp on it right now. Like I said earlier, 3.6% of citizens have PTSD. 7 to 19% of officers have PTSD. And with that, 34% of officers experience symptoms. And I saw 18 to 24% of dispatchers, the people on the mic yeah. looking out for us that way, they experience it also. It's not this rare thing. It's something that we should we should kind of embrace. We should be looking out for our brothers and sisters and we shouldn't be, I guess, kind of knocking them down. We should be picking them up. Yeah. We, sorry, I was trying to fix my mic there for a second. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Um, no. So, you know, I think this would probably be a good time to touch on it, but um, you know, I haven't been diagnosed with PTSD. I guarantee you just based off the symptoms of things that I've experienced within, you know, my life, Mm -hmm. from the military to calls that I've been on in in law enforcement is particularly one fucking week. And you know what I'm talking about? I do. Um, I mean the lot, the loss of sleep, the irritability. I mean, you can ask my wife, I was a fucking dick. Um, I wasn't drinking alcohol then at all. And cause I knew that it was a depressant, you know, so I'm like, ah, shit, Uh, I'm going to stay away from that. And I did. 
because I knew I had, I had that feeling of, okay, there's, there's an issue or there's something going on. And I refused because I still had goals. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a sniper yet. I wasn't this, I still had goals that I wanted to obtain. So I refused to go get help. Mm-hmm. And I should have probably, I mean, nothing just to make it easier on myself, whether it was, you know, going out and talking to a counselor, therapy, whatever. But my wife, you know, she's like, yeah, go, go, uh, go talk to somebody. Cause I was venting to her this whole time. And I was venting to, you know, some of you guys, um, that I worked with mm-hmm. and, uh, just like, yeah, this fucking barely sleeping. This is what I'm having happening. I mean, it's fucking nuts. And, uh, but I was concerned. Oh shit! I'm gonna get black labeled, so I'm not gonna tell anybody. I'm just gonna keep it to myself, minus a few people that I trust and respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it went away. And then, like back in August, uh, we had a, a baby death. Yeah, like drowned drowned in a fucking tub, mm-hmm. and it was like only like one. And boom, just like that, back to it. And I shit you not, I had my daughter, four year old daughter, and we had a baby, and they were sleeping in bed with me and my wife because I just couldn't, I couldn't yeah. go to sleep. Yeah. Sleeping at the foot of the bed, <laughs> like fucking nuts. But it's one of those things that over time, you know, it kind of, there's something they go away and then, you know, you never really occur, you know, right. it's, just, it's weird. It, so I, I mean, somebody well, who's I, struggling I, with it, like, you know, personally, like get some serious help. Like there's definitely help out there that you can see, Um, you know, don't be ashamed. Like, and if you're an admin that, fucking gonna black label somebody fuck you like yeah yeah. well and i think just kind of going back to your story i think it kind of ties in with that sponge theory the part that i didn't talk about was the the idea behind it and i think the ideology for many mental health people is that you can empty that cup or you can at least relieve the water from that cup and wring that sponge out that's inside of it so yeah you might be suffering from it right now and you might be overflowing but you can you can dump some of that out if you go the right path Exercising so. is a huge one. Um, yep. you know, stress reliever, uh, obviously getting out there and exercising, um, drinking water, you know, eating yep. healthy, things like that are all huge. Help yourself, yep. um, you know, remaining active and involved with your friends and coworkers and things like that. So if you have good coworkers, right. You got, right. You, know, you got buddies at work that you can bounce things off of and, you know, that are from, you know, cut from the same cloth. Um, so, so that's what, you know, that's what I did. I essentially vented to pretty much just about everybody that I knew. Well, so I've got that stuff under preventative care also. What you talked about, though, I actually I saw this as part of the treatment, that prolonged exposure where you're you're talking about it repeatedly, you're getting it off your chest and you're coming to terms with it. But then some of the other preventative care that I found, like you said, big exercising, eating healthy, that might not work for everyone. What you really a big key emphasis was finding non job related activities to do outside of the job. So your mind is off of it. That helps a ton. You and I both have a, pers- a close personal friend mm-hmm. that's made the suggestion. It was big in CIT. CIT harped on it also. Find a therapist. Not that yeah. you need one right now, but that preventative care, that preventative help. Get to that therapist and and establish that baseline. If anything, it's just talking once a month or once every couple of weeks, getting stuff off your chest. But then if it gets to that point where your cup's overflowing, you can go to them and really work on it and really... Uh, Really hammer down on correcting that issue. Yeah, get it get it started early because if they can caught early on, um, and you know, let's say you're you're going for a few sessions here and there, 
and then something else happens and you, it sets you off, you know, down a, down a worse path than your therapist already knows kind of the, the process that you've been going through your thought process. Mm-hmm. They're not picking you up brand spanking new off the street, essentially trying to, trying to develop this, uh, this plan, yep. you know, not all therapists are great. And, uh, but many, 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 many of them are just wonderful people, uh, that have your best interest at heart and at mind. Um, so, you know, if you, if you don't like first therapist, you know, the first person you go see, find a different one, you know, just yeah. don't quit. You know, it's yeah. not the answer. Quitting is not the answer. So just find somebody else. Cause there's, there's so many therapists out there. Um, and honestly, if you are in with some friends from the first, you know, first responder profession, one of them is probably going to have gone to a therapist in all reality. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're close with them, you know, ask them, Hey, you know, this is what's going on have you ever seen a therapist? You know, if you don't want to tell me whatever, not a big deal, but I just think I need to go talk to somebody and hopefully maybe they have, and they can recommend somebody like we have some great friends whose wives are counselors, therapists, you know, things like that, that, um, that, you know, I would feel comfortable going and talking to. They know, they know the law enforcement lifestyle. They know all that stuff. So. Yeah. The only other preventative care that I had besides that, get a therapist and like talk to him right now, this actually came from a fire captain and I'd like to get him on as a guest someday. Hopefully we haven't really gone on that route yet, but he talked about how he made it priority one that his fire guys come back to the station after every call and they don't get to do anything besides decompress. They don't get to train. They don't get to do reports. It's you're back in the station for a half hour to an hour, just chilling here. He talked about, how he understands like, you know, your evening shift guys, especially in law enforcement, you're going to be going call to call to call. Yep. But he wanted, he harped on the fact that even if those calls are just like unlocks and barking dogs and, and bullshit calls, it's still trauma and it's still adding to that weight on your shoulders and that stress. So it's big on trying to find time in between the calls when you can decompress. And, and it's not, like he said, not training, not doing your reports. You're not looking for somebody else to pull over or some other job related activity, you're just chilling. Yeah. And I think it makes incredible sense. Like, like why have we not thought of something like this before? Well, it's because it comes down to the money and lack of productivity. <laughs> I mean, I mean well, I'll go down that. We should do that in law enforcement, but we don't know. Uh, certain people are concerned more with their paper performance than anything else. So that's true. That's very they true. Got, they got, they got to hit their numbers, man. So they get their bonuses. Mm-hmm. So shady shit in my opinion absolutely did you look at any of the treatments or anything like that like i talked about did you see any of that i i didn't get into that i you know what i'm glad that you uh you started bringing some up i actually didn't get into any of that i got into resources that i have written down that i feel we'll probably just touch on at the end so that way it's fresh but yeah um but you got any other treatment stuff so like i talked about that prolonged exposure where you're talking about it over and over again there's a cognitive processing therapy. I didn't really look into that too much. Um, the one that I did look into that I've heard absolutely incredible things about is this eye movement uh, desensitization reprocessing or EDMR is what it's normally called because it's such a long title. But it's a way of, I guess, I haven't done it, I th- but from what I heard, it works incredibly. Like a 15, 30-minute session is like world-changing for people. And it just focuses on hand and uh, sound while talking about the trauma. And somehow it like reprocesses and reprograms the brain 
and gets people set straight. So if you're suffering from from PTSD, these might be things to look into and ask a therapist when you go to them. Yeah, they're going to obviously know that, but the it's a, I just looked it up just to kind of add touch on it, but ultimately for anxiety, panic, PTSD and trauma. So mm-hmm. I mean that's that that's technique to use for the therapy of it. So but yeah, I've I haven't used that. I have heard close to me that has um okay and they had a really really good experience with it <laughs> was kind of shell-shocked by the whole the outcome of it like they didn't you know like they thought it was kind of silly at first you know but did um, did your friend use the the electrode version or was it something else i don't i don't know i didn't really ask okay about it but uh but yeah it's i great reviews i mean that's yeah. all I, can say. I just when you brought that up i it, it clicked in my head like oh i've heard of this like part of me wants to go just try it just to see what it does. I've heard, I've heard one of the therapies is like you're holding two like mini electrodes in your hands and you're going over a specific traumatic event or several of them. And that like, it doesn't like shock you. Like you think, you know, like back in the fifties. Yeah. But apparently it's, yeah, just like little electrodes and I want to see how it works. I want to like experience it firsthand. I think it could be really cool. So it's not holding like two ends of the taser probe. <laughs> yeah. They don't stick a rubber ball in your mouth from my understanding. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, so, yeah, before we, before we hit into the resources, I think we just one more stress of why it's so important and why you, why these resources are important. The last stats that I pulled were uh, first responder suicides by year compared to line of duty deaths per year. And this is kind of astonishing. 2019, there were 249 first responder suicides compared to the 158 line of duty deaths. 2020 and 2021 were pretty close of suicides with 186 and 177. The line of duty deaths were quite a bit higher. I don't know. That's kind of surprising to me just because of COVID. I felt like most agencies were slowing down at that point. The numbers were actually pretty crazy high for line of duty, which was like 414 and 623. But this year alone, so far, five and a half months into the year, we've already had 62 first responder suicides compared to the 107 line of duty deaths. Like, it's just, I I, I just pulled those numbers because I want to show how prevalent it truly is. I think people don't realize it until they experience it themselves. But it's there. People are suffering from it. I don't want to go down this road because it's not my story to tell. But I think... I think what people don't realize is you probably have friends who have thought about it or contemplated it or gone down that road because it's such a, I don't want to say embarrassing, but like you said, it's got that stigma to it. People stay yeah. quiet about it. They, they keep it internal until it boils over and, and then it's too late. Yeah. And that's the, that's the really unfortunate thing about it is it, it's, it, it's, you know, it's still in the infant stages, a system mm-hmm. that, that should be put in place to, uh, to help prevent the, yeah, just like you said, I, I think that they really, you know, law enforcement visit the idea of, you know, traumatic stress calls of, you know, letting, letting there be a little bit of a break there, you know? So that means if you're like an admin, maybe again for a little bit, because yeah. you gotta get, you gotta get some people off the streets. <clears throat> so if you're thinking of suicide, you know, I call the suicide prevention hotline. I didn't write the number down, but it is, it's out. (laughs) Call Um, us. 
yeah, call call us, uh, get get in contact with us, but don't sit there and hide it. Don't try to beat the system. I know law enforcement officers who like, oh, I'm going to beat the system because they know the system. Right. They, they know what's going to get you admitted into the hospital. They know what's going to keep you out of the hospital. Nobody ever mm-hmm. wants to be admitted into the hospital. Um, so don't try to beat the system, though. You know, be honest with everybody. Be honest with yourself. Be true uh, to who you are and what's going on with you and your life. Um, but yeah, just a couple other resources I wrote down. We've already touched on the EAP. If you got an EAP program, obviously yep. use that. Um, more, there's more information. I know you just went to CIT, which I'm sure was put on by NAMI. Yep. Um, the National Alliance for Mental Health, uh, Mental Illness. But then some of the police specific resources that I, I uh, just on a research top line. I think we've yep. talked about. We have. First, yeah. First help is another one. Uh, safe call now. First Responder Support Network, Serve and Protect, and Cops Alive. And then there's advocacy as well. That's a new help, which is kind of involved with the Code 9 Project, which we have some working not a, a, a business. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them out there the first time that, you know, we, we probably could have done in the past. Maybe we need to get them involved. I don't know. I doubt he listens to the episodes. But honor, respect, LLC, and what they do. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so... They sell shoes, apparel, and accessories for the Code 9 Project to raise funds for mental health and law enforcement and first responders. So I think they maybe dabble with uh, some military as well. Yep, I think you're right. uh, Yeah, they got – this is like free advertisement for this guy. He better be giving us some like swag or something. (laughs) But uh, www.honor-respect.com or they got a Facebook page as well, Honor Honor Respect LLC. So cool business. Uh, in the Iowa area, but uh, they've been obviously just selling like wildfire nationwide. Well, so yeah, you covered a lot of what I have written down. Uh, I think, I think it's the blue help. They've got a website, bluehelp.org, but they've also got a 1-800 number and it's like, it's staffed 24 seven. So if you're thinking about it, reach out, make that phone call. There should be someone on the other end that will pick up and talk to you right then and there. That, uh, that staff 24 seven. Cause you just, you'd never mm-hmm. know, you know, you have cops work all day, all hours of the day, never know what people's sleep schedules are or, or so forth. And, uh, maybe on overnights, um, are up right now, you know, like yeah. me, I'm usually asleep like, so, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, you never know exactly when your, you know, your PTSD is going to start to show its face to you and, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with it. I think one of the, I don't know if it was a stat or whatever, they talk about uh, people that commit suicide, the ones that have survived, they've, they've pulled numbers. And I think the average was like the decision to do it was made in five minutes. Oh, yeah. It, yep. it wasn't necessarily like I've been thinking about it for a week. It was like thought about it and I went to do it. So what we ask is instead of doing it is pick up a phone and call somebody, call a friend, try to get a hold of us on, I think Facebook is probably the one we're going to respond to most, the one we have access to the most. Not a plug. I'm just saying if you need help and you need to get a hold of us, probably try to hit us up on Facebook as opposed to Instagram or, or Twitter. And yeah, the 1-800 number for suicide prevention and then Blue Help, I think, are the ones I'm pretty sure. I'll have to do some some checking and I'll cut in if I'm wrong. But I think those are the two big ones that have 24-hour staffed uh, phone lines that you can talk to someone to get that help that you need. Yeah. It, you know, find something that you enjoy doing to, you know, keep your mind off of committing suicide or, you know, any PTSD symptoms that you may be experiencing. I know this got sound crazy, but you know, like some of the things that I have done or 
relieve stress in my, you know, not saying that I'm currently going through an active PTSD related matter, but some of the things that I have done uh, and I continue to do uh, to just relieve stress is I, you know, a working out's huge, but then also I play video games and I know you do as yep. well. And, yep. and getting a group of guys, we get on and freaking play uh, Warzone, and, and uh, my son would be uh, ashamed to admit it because my team is much better than his. <laughs> um, and a lot of shit gets talked to that kid while he sits here and watches me and the boys. And, but, and obviously with all those, you know, be careful that you, that you're not to the point of immersing your life into those those uh those side gigs i guess or those side hustles whatever you want to call them like if you're to the point where you're playing video games 24 7 because it's if you don't then you're in in your head too much you still need to seek help so wait i just, can't play video games 24 7 well you, you can <laughs> i'm just saying if you're using that to cope then maybe you should <laughs> maybe you should reach out for some other help Oh shit! No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> we play like an hour, maybe hour and a half. Now we used to play for like you know three hours, but um, well, you remember back in the college days where you'd stay up all night playing and then still oh, go yeah. to class the next morning. Dude, freaking epic! <laughs> and then kids happened. And I never <laughs> responsibilities went to like a yeah, full time job. Yeah, no. When I when I was in college doing shit like that, I would never make it into class. Like that would be, <laughs> so that I went in the middle. Now I got my degree. You know, it only took fucking twelve years, but. Oh my man. Yeah. So, but uh but yeah, you got anything else you want to touch on? I feel, no, I feel like this is one of those topics where we're going to leave shit out. Like I there's Yeah. I I I hate to do it, but like I, you know, there's just so much there's so much information. I mean, we could have talked about this stuff for like 3 hours. I know. And, this could have been like a mega episode where we just went and went and went. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that's like, yo, yo you know, contain the listeners. I don't think anybody wants to hear me or maybe, well, they may want to hear you ramble, but definitely not me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Highly doubted. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't have anything else. I'm other than I'm excited for top gun. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I like, this is like, uh, what? Almost 30 years coming. No, yeah, it's over. pretty it's close. Almost 40 years coming. Yeah. Yeah. So God, I'm excited. Well, you go watch that. And I, I will. Oh, I don't know what I'll do. One? Oh, yeah, yeah, in the new one. Yeah, the that twenty seventh, I think, is when it comes out. So we missed something, and we can obviously cover it like the next mental health episode we do. But yeah, we could have we could have gone on for hours and hours. I think we tried to condense it to the point where it was most relevant and give you guys yeah. the best episode we could. And if if you have a story that you would love to share or write us a letter about a story regarding uh, even mental health stuff that experienced in law enforcement, first responders, military um, that you want to share, but you know, we can do that, you know, send us, send us a letter or, or, or even on as a guest, we can do that as well. We'll, we'll figure sure. something out, but, sure. but uh, it's such a topic that needs to be discussed. You know, we're, we're definitely willing. This is kind of the whole reason we, started to get into this uh, podcast was to, you know, obviously help improve the profession. And I think one way to do that is by doing what we can to control the mental health side of it. Cause it's something that just, you know, it takes time and, and uh, responsibility of certain individuals towards their officers to, you know, just take care of them. So I, absolutely. I think you're hundred percent right there. Well, my man, I think, uh, I think we've wrapped this one up and I think we conclude it like we normally do. Everybody stay safe and we'll get to this together. All right.
Please don't make this last forever